this morning on this thought, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, life as we know it can get real busy, can it? Get real busy for us. And, uh, and this is one thing that I found out. The older I get, the busier seems, it seems that life is, and it seems the faster that life goes. Has anybody else recognized that, the older that you get? The older that I get, it seems like that, we've, that, that the faster that, that the pace picks up. But we live in a culture also where busy is really normal, really. We live in a culture where we just don't stop. We go from here to there. There's no stopping. There was a young doctor I read about the other day that just opened his office, and he felt really excited about that. And his secretary told him there was a man that had come to see him. The young doctor told, told the, his nurse to send him in, and he was pretending to be a busy doctor. He had just opened up his practice. He was pretending to be a busy doctor, and he picked up the phone just as the man came in, and he was talking on the phone. He said, yes, that's right. The fee is $200, and, and I'll expect you at 10, no later, because I'm a very busy man. He hung up the phone, and he asked this other man that came to see him, what, how can I help you? And he says, no, you can't help me. All I've done, I've just come to install the phone. So we like sometimes to think of ourselves busier than what we ought to. Being busy is good sometimes. It means that we get more done. And for many, that gives us a sense of achievement. But I think sometimes that there's difficulties in being busy. Sometimes we can get so busy that every now and then you find yourself needing to replace you for doing what you do, right? You need, you need somebody else alongside of you. You need a copy of you, so to speak, in order to help you get all the things done. In saying that, I want you to think about Jesus this morning. Think about it just for a little bit. Have you ever stopped to think to yourself, why was Jesus only on earth for 33 years? Why, why 33? Why not 50? Why not 45? Why not 65? Why only 33 years? Why was this guy only in the Middle East or that region of the Middle East nation? Why didn't he go to other places in the world to heal more people or, or to teach more people or to guide more people or even to help more people? I mean, really, when you think about it, out of all the known world at that time, his outreach was pretty small. His outreach was pretty limited, even though he had to walk many places, and, and I know we could debate that back and forth, but really his outreach was, was pretty limited. And we need to put ourselves in his shoes. He, like us, was only one man. Yeah, he was the son of God, he was fully divine, he was fully human, but he was only one man. And we find ourselves many times wanting to help the world, but we're limited because of what one person can do. Can you imagine yourself today being one of Jesus' disciples? Some 2,000 plus years ago, you've spent three years with this man called Jesus. He was the Son of God, the one who claimed to have prophesied to be the prophesied Savior of the entire world. You've traveled with Jesus for some three years, listened to all of his marvelous teaching, saw him heal many, many people with all kinds of illnesses. I mean, you've saw him heal leprosy. You've saw him restore sight to the blind. You've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. You have seen him cast out devils, and, and in one case, 2,000 demons in one man. You'd witness him feed 4,000 people one time, and then 5,000 plus people on another time with just a few fish and just a few loaves. Can you imagine that happening today? I'm sure that probably if that would happen today, many of us, I would be thinking this, this would be a great time, Lord, 
Lord, for, we to, for us to stamp out starvation. This would be a great time for us to go to every area of the world and, and cure all kind of diseases and, and cure all kind of these things. I mean, this would be a great world if all of these troubles and all of these problems would finally come to an end. And all of a sudden, while you're thinking these big, grandeur things that you could take the Lord and, and you could find doing all kinds of things, Jesus turns to you and says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, it is good that I'm going away. I'm going away. What are you talking about? 33 years, these disciples watched this guy do all these great exploits. 33 years, they spent time with this man. Three, three and a half years, primarily a lot of time. But they listened to stories of when he grew up. They listened to stories about how he was teaching in the synagogues. They watched how he opened blinded eyes. They watched him raise the dead to life. And now, at 33 years old, he says, I've got to go. I've got to go. Jesus continued, and he said this, Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you say, well, pastor, what's the big thing with that? What is this advocate thing? In the original Greek, the word that John used for advocate is parakletos. It is translated a lawyer. It's specifically a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because they're close enough to the situation in order to make the right judgment call. And the picture here is, is that this lawyer is giving evidence on our behalf on the court of law. He's speaking on our behalf. We know this from the Word of God. We know this in preaching. We've listened to it many, many times. Jesus was fully one man. He was fully divine. But being in human flesh, he could only be in one place at one time. And the issues of every person in the world was way too much, Sister Mary, for him to be in every place in the world. Now, true, God can do whatever God wants to do. But when Jesus left his throne and he came down to live among you and I, he came to associate himself with us. He came to take up on the likeness of us. He came to take up on our sin, Brother Reigns. He came to take and, and do the things that we find ourselves doing each and every day. He was fully God, but he was just one man at the same time. He was confined to Israel. He was confined to the surrounding nations. And if you and I today feel pressure of needing to be more in one place of one time, imagine how Jesus must have felt knowing what he knew. Understand the things that he understood. He could not possibly help everybody not in his human form. And that is why it was for our own good that he went away. Unless I go away, I cannot send a comforter. Unless I go away, I cannot send an advocate because Jesus ascended into heaven. He was then able to send the advocate and the advocate is the Holy Spirit as you and I know it today. And the Holy Spirit that you and I know, he is able to dwell well in every one of us today sitting in these pews not just with me and not just with Pastor Brown and not just with Brother Reigns and not just with Paul but every one of you sitting under the sound of my voice aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit is able to abide and live and reign in the midst of our life today amen that's the power of the Holy Spirit that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit when we look at the Trinity we know a lot about God the Father he appears all throughout the Old and New Testaments. He was there at creation. He was there in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. We know a lot about Jesus. 
He's the focus of the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels. And it may surprise you that Jesus is all through the Old Testament as well. But we seem sometimes to know very little about the Holy Spirit. And when we think of the Holy Spirit, we tend to also think about the New Testament. But did you know that the Holy Spirit was present in creation as well? When you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and it was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Bible says the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There it is. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. He was right there in the second verse of the Bible. And if we look at Hebrews, the word that God used here is Elohim, which is a word that is plural to you and I. And then we can also that Jesus is right there in the first verse of the Bible. You and I, we celebrate God the Father. We celebrate God the Son. We celebrate God the Holy Spirit. They are three in one this morning. And He was there in the very beginning. And when you look at these scriptures, they give us a clue of the role of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. In Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1, the Bible talks about the Spirit bringing wisdom. It talks about the Spirit bringing understanding. It talks about the Spirit of God that gives us counsel and gives us might and gives us knowledge. And I could go on and on and all of that sounds wonderful. But when you look in John chapter 16, you can also learn that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth that testifies about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit is our guide. The Spirit is our guide and He guides us into all truth. Somebody say all truth. We live in a day and time where sometimes we don't like all the truth. We just like a little bit of the truth. We just like a little what feels good to us. We like a little bit that's just, just pleasing to our ears. But can I can't tell you this morning that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth this morning. And I know you already know this, but let me remind you that the truth will set you free. Amen. The truth won't leave you confined. The truth won't leave you bound up. The truth won't leave you in shackles. The truth will set you free. Amen. He will speak to us, and he tells us what is yet to come. You look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How's that working for you? Is he guiding you today? Is he speaking truth into your life today? Is he enabling you today to live your life in truth according to the word of God? I'm not talking about living your life on Sunday morning when everybody looks at you. I'm not talking about living your life where you've, where you've just maybe justified some things and on Sunday I'll live this way, but on Monday I may change, Pastor. Hello? But are we accepting what the Word says? Because the Bible tells us when we receive the power, the Holy Spirit will come upon us. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You'll be my witnesses in Judea. You'll be my witnesses in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We receive the power from the Holy Spirit. That ought to be exciting to you and I. The Holy Spirit brings us wisdom. He brings us understanding. Let me stop right here. The Lord just checked me for a little bit. Let me stop right here and clarify some stuff. Sometimes we grew up in circles, in Pentecostal circles, where we thought the Holy Spirit was a weird thing. It's not. 
Sometimes we grew up in circles where we thought the Holy Spirit was this weird phenomenon that comes upon people and they just done stupid and crazy stuff. Now, I've saw some of that. How about you? As a little bitty boy, Brother Rains, I used to have people shouting all around me under the pew. That's not what I'm talking about. You can find weirdness everywhere. Amen. I'm talking about a divine presence of the Holy Spirit that'll guide me, that'll strengthen me, that'll help me each and every day when I get up out of the bed, that'll take me where I need to go and tell me what I need to say. Amen. Give me the assurance that I need that everything's going to be all right. When I feel like nobody else is paying attention to me, when I feel like I'm alone, when I feel like I'm in trouble, when I feel like I'm discouraged, he's the one that comes on the scene and picks me back up and says, you can make it, Pastor. Just keep on moving. I've come to tell somebody in this house today, you can make it too. You can make it too. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Holy Spirit brings us wisdom. He brings us understanding. He brings us counsel. He brings us wisdom. He brings us knowledge. He brings us the truth. He talks to us. He guides us. And we receive his power and might from the Holy Spirit only, though, if we receive him. You've got to receive him. You've got to receive his unity. You've got to receive his touch. My Bible tells me in Psalms 133, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down upon the skirts of the garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. Listen, I like this verse. He says, there the Lord commanded the blessing. Hallelujah. It is there that we have life forevermore. What are you talking about? Right here. When I understand that it's good and it's pleasant for me to dwell in unity with you, it's like the precious ointment that comes down upon my head and runs down upon my beard and runs down upon my clothes and all of these things and I ain't got time to go there this morning. But as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended from the mountain of Zion, there the Bible says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. It is life forevermore. How many of you want to live forevermore? I'm not talking about living on this earth forevermore. I'm talking about living with a Savior that He's prepared a place for me. He's prepared a place for you. And one day and one day soon, He's coming back after His church if you're ready to go. Amen. Hallelujah. Look here what happened in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 11. You remember the story. There was an event there called Babel. The Tower of Babel. Think about that a few generations after the great flood. We think back to God's commandment to Noah and his family after the flood. They were told to be fruitful and to multiply and to spread out and fill the earth. That was the commandment, was it not? To be fruitful and to multiply and spread out and fill the earth in Genesis chapter 9 verse 7. But instead we find a people here that had come back together. Now, in just saying that, that's not too bad. Well, Pastor, that's what you're talking about. We need to have unity. That's right. We've got to come back together. But watch this. They had one language in their unity. And they tried to build a tower to the heavens. And when you look in Genesis 11, verse 4, you'll find their motivation. This is their motivation. They wanted to make a name for themselves. Now, there's a lot of preaching ground right here. They ain't got time. But let's just slow down and let's say that one more time. They wanted to make a name for themselves. <laughs> well, Pastor, you got your way of worship, and I got mine. Because when I get along with God, he, He's all right with me doing this. And He's all right with me living this lifestyle. 
Because he's a loving God. Remember, Brother Jerry, what we spoke about yesterday? He's a loving God. He ain't going to send me to hell. And we've justified our being. We've justified our actions. We was talking the other day about we live in a, in a church age and a culture that, that not too many is, is, is consecrated or sanctified before the Lord anymore. And that's the reason that we feel like it's okay for us to do this or for us to do that. I'll tell you something. If it doesn't line up with this, you better check yourself. If what I'm telling you doesn't line up with this, you better check me and check yourself. Matter of fact, you better check me out and get you somebody that'll preach the truth to you. But this morning I'm preaching truth to you that you've got to line yourself up with Scripture. I don't care if it's got something there that you don't like. Live it anyway. But pastor, we live in a day and time where it's all right to live together. No, it's not. I'm not trying to offend you this morning. I'm just telling you like it is. It's all right for us to be involved in this sort of lifestyle. No, it's not. Not if you want to make heaven your home. There's also another little scripture you need to understand that wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the narrow way, right? We just got to get some things right. I'm not condemning. I'm not judging you. I'm not, that's not my point at all this morning. I'm just helping us. If that's the case and that's where we are and we don't know any better, then that's where we've come from. I'm telling you right now the truth of the gospel of what, according to the word of God and we've got to get some things fixed. If I've said that once, I've said it a thousand times. We just got to make sure things are right. Everybody say right. right. <laughs> now that's not hard. I love you. I honestly do. I'm not being mean. I love you. But I want to love you into heaven. I want to love you out of hell. The hell wasn't created for you. It was created for the enemy. Heaven is created for you, amen. But in this, this group of people here in Genesis chapter 11, they, they wanted to make a name for themselves, else they would have been scattered over the face of the earth, they said. But the Lord comes down one day and sees their city. And he sees their tower. And it dawns on him, this people... There's a whole, another whole message right here about being in unity, but he sees this people, brother, they were, they were in so much unity together that they're going to do what they said they're going to do. Now, there's some positive things with that, but that's not what they were told to do. They're actually going to do what, what they're going to do. If, if as one people speaking the same language have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language, and they'll not be able to understand one another in 11, chapter 11, verse 6. And the Bible says the Lord scattered them and confused their languages. And when you skip over and you go to the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, now we read that there are people from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. Every nation. Every nation caused by the scattering at Babel were present at that day on the day of Pentecost. And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with different tongues and they each could hear their own language being spoken. And one of the things that God did at Pentecost was simply to reverse what he did at Babel. The people began to be unified all over Sister Mavis again and their language barrier was broken. And instead of the people trying to make a name for themselves, God made a way for the people to make a name for Almighty God. Listen to me. When we come to the house of God every Sunday, 
Sunday and every weeknight when we come to the house of God, it's not about you looking at me and listening to me and me looking at you and listening to you. It's for you and I to come together and to give Him praise and to give Him glory and to make everything about Him. Amen. Amen. Even the Holy Spirit brings us back to Him. Everything that we do is about Him. Everything that we say ought to be about Him. Amen. Now, I'm fixing, to, I'm fixing to get off here somewhere, so hold, hold on. It doesn't matter what color carpet you have. It ought to be about him. Thank you for saying amen. It don't, it don't matter to me if the stage is black or gray. It ought to be about him. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand this aesthetics and all this kind of stuff, and, and we've we got we to make things look right. But, but when those kind of things stand in our way, I didn't intend to go here, but I guess I might as well just go on. When those kind of things, Brother Roger, stand in our way, then we got issues. It's got to be about him. It's got to be about him. I don't like singing off the wall. Well, close your eyes and keep singing. If, that, if, that, if that's the thing that bothers you. I don't like colored lights. Okay. We all have differences and preferences, all those kind of things. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm being real simple here, but if those are the things that, that keeps our Christianity where it is, then we have weak Christianity. It'd bother you if I come up here in a, in a robe and flip-flops too. But Jesus preached in a robe and flip-flops or sandals or barefoot. He did. I'm not trying to go there, and you're probably not going to see me in a robe and flip-flops. I'm just telling you, if, if that is the basis of our walk with God, then we've got to make sure that everything is okay with our walk with God. That's just what I'm saying. The people here, they were, they were, they were united, but they were united for a different reason. And the Lord went down and it confused their language, and, but then he come back together and put it back together. There's, there's some things I, I, want to under, I want us to understand, these few points here in this, in this little, little chapter here. The first thing you can take away this morning, and I hope you take away, is this. That you are never alone. You're never alone. Now, there's all kinds of people out there. Some, some people can't stand being alone. It bothers them. That's okay. I, under, I get that. They need to constantly be around people, and they need to constantly be, be talking with people and socializing with people. And when they're alone, they feel isolated. They feel lonely, and that's true. I like being with people. But there is times I like being alone. Not very many, but there's just a few times I just like being alone. Why do you do that, Pastor? You settle your mind a little bit. There's a few times I enjoy getting out of town. Hello. There's some times I just like turning the cell phone off. Is that all right? And we get, we get away from those things just to, just to be alone, and it creates an opportunity for all sorts of stuff that goes through our head. And so for you and I, maybe just maybe a time to process some things of what's going on in our life. But there's a big difference between an isolation and solitude. Big difference. Isolation is where you completely withdraw yourself, and in doing so, you create an opportunity for the enemy to come in. I don't have time. This is not my message this morning, but let me just help you this morning. If you're one of those type of people that you like to be alone all the time, or you don't, like, you don't ever like anybody around, I'm telling you, you create opportunities for the enemy to come into your life. There needs to be people around you. You need people. We need one another, amen. We need each other. 
We need, I wasn't created to be alone. I wasn't created to be a lone ranger. Hello, how about you? We were created for need. We want, we want that compatibility. We want somebody in our life. There's a big difference here. Solitude is different. Solitude is when you just take some time out to sit and read God's word, meditate on his message, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Now, here's the thing. If you're somebody that, that always likes to be around people, then take comfort in the knowledge this morning that you are never alone. You're never alone. When there's no one else around, the Holy Spirit is with you. You're never alone. Just imagine that for a moment. All of those times you were alone in the car, God's still with you. All of those times you went off on vacation by yourself, God was still with you. God's an ever-present help in a time of need. He's ever-present is a great opportunity to us. We can take these opportunities and we can talk to the Lord Jesus Christ and we can let him talk to you and I as we minister, as he ministers to us. There's a great advantage of, to solitude when you've got the Holy Spirit of God with you. You do not have to be alone and you're not alone as a child of God. Amen. The second thing I've noticed this is I don't have to do things in my own strength. I don't have to do things in my own strength, and that's a good thing for me. I don't know about you, but for me it is. Because, Sister Kathy, sometimes I find myself in trouble. Y'all know that already. Sometimes I get up here preaching, I find myself in trouble. Not going to talk about Karen today. She's here. But sometimes I find myself in trouble. I try to, at times, to push my way through, through my own life and my own strength at times. And they speak to you a little bit. You may be the same way, and that's not good. We were never meant to do things in our own strength. We were meant to do things in the strength of Almighty God. One part of Acts chapter 2 that I absolutely love to read is verse 46 and 47. It says this, after the people of Pentecost received the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the spiritual and the physical changes were within them. Luke said this, he said, they devoted themselves, later on down in that chapter, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. They broke bread with one another and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody in need. Every day they continued to meet uh, together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts and this is what I like the latter part of that verse it says they begin to praise God and they enjoyed all the favor of the people simply because of them receiving the Holy Spirit hallelujah but they didn't stop there look what happened next the Bible says that when this went on that the Lord added to the church daily the Lord added to the church daily people were being saved People were coming to see this great phenomenon that was taking place. People were coming, so to speak, to watch this fire that was burning. People were coming because they never saw that before. Don't get embarrassed of what happens in the church. Don't get so quick to be embarrassed about what... I know there's some stuff that goes on in the church that probably shouldn't happen. I get it. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the church that's a God thing. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of things that takes place in the church and with you that you may not be able to explain, but it's the Holy Spirit moving upon you. It's the Holy Spirit that's coming and touching you and reviving you and strengthening you day by day. Don't be so embarrassed about everything that goes on in the church. I believe we're smart enough, we're educated enough, and we ought to be sensible enough in the spirit realm, Brother Larry, to choose those things that, that's not of God. 
We can see through that. We can see through some of those things. But the Bible says the Lord added to the, to the, to the church daily power that comes through the Holy Spirit, unity that came through the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, according to the end of Acts chapter 2, they had all things in common. All of a the sudden, they had all things in common. They enjoyed one another's company. They loved one another. Now listen to me, church. If there's some things that you have in your life that shouldn't be there in the sense of our relationship with one another, then we, you need to take care of it. I need to take care of it. We need to take care of it because we're brothers and sisters in Christ, are we not? And we've got to love one another. The world looks at you differently. Well, I don't want them to look at me differently. I can't help it. They do. I want them to look at me just like they look at everybody else. They're not going to. If they know you're a, a Christian, if they know that you go to church, they're going to look at you differently. And that's not a bad thing. That's part of your testimony. I don't feel like I can go out and audibly witness to somebody, Pastor, well, then just live your life for God. They can see God in you. They can see the love of God in you. Just live your life for him. Do what the word tells you to do. Live your life for him. All of a sudden, they had everything in common, and they enjoyed one another's company, and they loved one another. The Lord added to the church daily. Every person using their gifts. Every person was contributing. Every person was serving the Lord and each other. Every person, every, all of them was in God's strength and in God's timing. You want to know what the key to, to, grow, to, to church growing today? To leading people to Christ and, and to, to lead people to an eternal life and making an impact in the Spirit, in the kingdom? It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. When you look at the book of Acts, the message of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was with the apostles every step of the way, talking and taking the message of the gospel everywhere they needed to go. Again, that's why Jesus says, I've got to go away. I can't stay with you. I've got to go away. If I don't go away, I can't send the advocate. I can't send the comforter. I can't send the Spirit of God. But when he comes, hallelujah, he'll be able to take you to places that I ain't been able to take you. He'll be able to show you some things that I wasn't able because I was just one man. He'll be able to get in every one of your hearts. He'll be able to, to transform your life as never before. And he'll go here and he'll go there and he'll go there. It's not about all denominations. It's about the presence and the power of Almighty God in our hearts. Amen. I'm thankful that in this church right here, this church right here, all of you sitting under the sound of my voice, all of you ain't Pentecostal. You wasn't raised Pentecost. Some of you some Baptist folk. Some of you some Church of Christ folk. Some of you some Catholic folk. Some of you some Presbyterian folk. But you've come together, we've come together in unity to worship Almighty God. Aren't you thankful that when we get to heaven, there ain't going to be no church name over the door? Amen. It's going to be God's house. It's going to be the Lord's house. Now, let me just stop here. and let's, let me, As a pastor, let me just back up and say something. Just because you come as a Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever, I don't want you to leave. Stay here. We'll say, Pastor, you said it doesn't matter about church names over the door. Well, it don't, but just for us right here, it does. So y'all just stay. If y'all understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Let me give you my last point here. Come to the music, please. Could you imagine if our churches had, all, had the power of the Spirit propelling them forward and blessing them as they go? Can you imagine... And every pew in the church being filled with somebody that's being 
led by the Spirit of God, how different our community would be. Can you imagine in our city, the city of Blyville, if every person from the mayor down had the Spirit of God leading them and them listening to the Spirit of God, how different our community would be. The last point is this. You can receive the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. You can receive it. You can receive, you can receive it like, like receiving a, the gift of salvation. You can receive it. It just takes an honest prayer of the heart to receive the gift of the Spirit. I believe with all of my heart that God wants us to prosper. I believe that God's plans for us are hope and a future. He wants to give us a hope. He wants to give us a future. And one of the greatest gifts He's given us is the Holy Spirit. And for you and I, by receiving the Spirit of God, we can be taught, we can be guided, we can be counseled, we can receive His wisdom, we can receive His knowledge, we can receive His help in the time of need, we can have His touch when we don't feel like that we don't feel like having it in our life, when, when we feel like we need it ourselves. Brother Earl, we can receive the touch of God. We can receive it. For he, he's there for us in our weak moments. He's there for us when we feel like I can't give out anymore. He's there for us. When nobody else understands what we're going through, He's there. He's there. You may have saw this online the other day. I just caught it. It's probably an old video, but I just caught it the other day. I watched a video of, of Jim Simba, who is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church. They have the big Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir that goes all over singing won award after award, sung for presidents and kings and princesses. I mean, it's a phenomenal church. Jim Simbo, if you ever listen to him, he's a great speaker, great motivator, built a great church. But I watched this little clip, Brother Roger, of him up in front of his church, and he's speaking to his church. And he was speaking from somebody that was depleted. He was speaking, Sister Mavis, out of somebody that had his life that he felt like he had give out and he had nothing else to give out. And this is what he said. He said, I'm a little embarrassed to tell you what I'm fixing to tell you. Because, you know, he, he was a great guy, and so he had a lot of prestige. If you can begin to play softly, I'd appreciate that. He began to, he began to, uh, he began to uh, say, I got a lot of prestige in this, in this, uh, uh, in this town. And, and, and he was afraid that if I say this, it may cause people to look at me differently. But he said, the Lord impressed upon me to tell you what's going on in my life. Now, this has probably happened several years ago. But he said one Sunday he got up and he said, I didn't feel like going to church. So I'm going to give you a little background. And he wasn't being ugly or trying to be funny. He said, my wife, a few months ago, earlier had surgery, a female kind of surgery. And he said it changed her. He said it changed her attitude. It changed the way she thought. And he said, to be honest with you, it was hard to deal with her. It just, it just changed her. He was hoping that she had changed back, but, but at that time she hadn't. And he said, I'd done everything I could do to, to help and try to help her and be the husband that I needed to be, but it wasn't, it wasn't getting me nowhere. He said, during that time, my daughter got off in some stuff that she had no business getting off in, and I was trying to minister to her and counsel her, and, but she wouldn't listen to me. And I'd said everything I knew to say. And, and he kept repeating this phrase, I, I'm a little embarrassed to, to tell you what I'm telling you, because, but this happened to me. And he said, during this time, church was not really going well, like he wanted it to go. Oh, yeah, they had the big choir, and they'd done those wonderful things. But how many of you know that even in the midst of all of the grandeur and all of that, sometimes you just feel alone? 
Sometimes you just need somebody to, you know, come back in and pick you up. And he said, that's where I was. And he said, I decided one Sunday that I wasn't going to church. He said, my decision for that was my wife wasn't going, so I ain't going. She's the pastor's wife. She's part of this ministry team. So if she's not going, I'm not going. He said, my daughter is out there strung out on some stuff, and she wasn't going, and I'm trying to go and preach to a congregation about keeping families together, and I can't even get my own family together. I'm not going. I'm not going. He said that Sunday morning, his father-in-law called him and said, Jim, the Lord laid you on my heart. So I just want to let you know I'm praying for you this morning when you get up to preach. He said, told his father-in-law, he said, well, I'm not going, so you don't have to worry about praying for me. I'm not going. He said, oh, yes, you are going. You're going. I'm praying for you. And the Lord's assured me he's going to touch you. And he said, I'm not going. He said, your daughter's not going. I ain't going. She's messed up, and she's messing me up. My daughter's messed up, your niece, and got me messed up. I'm not going. He said, oh, yes, you are going. He said, Jim, I want to tell you something. He said, if you allow the Lord to use you, even in the midst of nothing, God will take you, and he'll show you things that you've not seen before. Because you need to understand it's not about you. It's about him. And the people that you're going to be speaking to today, they need a word from you. And Jim said, what are you talking about? They need a word from me. I'm the one that needs a word. I'm the one that needs a touch in my life. I'm the one that somebody needs to come alongside of me and give me something that'll pick me back up. Have you ever been there? He said, I'm not going. He said, oh, yes, you are. He got to praying for him over the phone and speaking in tongues over the phone. And he said, I proclaim to you today, you will go. I decree to you today, you will show up in church and you will preach the word of God. Jim is standing there in his pulpit on this clip and he said, I'm just a little embarrassed to say this. He said, but I did listen and I did go. He said, I got up. Church was just like it always was. He said, I got up. And I began to preach. He said, it really wasn't nothing that, that he said I would consider very exciting or anything like that to take place, but I preached the word. I preached the truth. He said, after the service... I went to my normal, usual place to shake hands. And he said, Sister Jeanette, everybody that came by to shake my hand had tears in their eyes and said, Pastor, you said exactly what I need to hear today. You give me the word to help me to move on forward this next week. How did you know what I was going through? How did you know, Pastor, I was dealing with what I was dealing with because you said exactly what I needed and Jim, he left that little foyer where he was shaking hands. He got back in his little green room and he said, Lord, and it's just a sign to him. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all I know what it is. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that'll show up when nobody else will show up. It's the power of the Holy Ghost that'll come upon the scene when nobody else comes upon the scene. It's the power and the anointing of the Spirit of God that'll give you exactly what He needs. In such a time as this in your life, He is the one that'll resurrect you. He's the one that'll, that'll bring you up from your fallen condition. It's the power. I'm going to be honest with you sometimes, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm being very open here with you this morning. I've been open with you before. I'm like an open book sometimes in the pulpit. Karen says sometimes a little too open. But I can tell you, I understand what he's talking about. There's times I don't want to come to the pulpit. 
If you be honest with yourself, there's times you don't want to show up for work either. If you be honest with yourself, there's times you don't want to talk to your spouse either. Hello. If you be honest with yourself, there's times that they just certain folk get on your nerves. You don't want to deal with it. We've all been there. We've all thought that. We've all been there. Brother Brian, there's been days I'd get up and I have my agenda laid out for the week or for that day at least. And I come to work and I get one phone call and it changes everything. And the one phone call I got, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't want to deal with this. Just being honest. I'm not telling you not to call. Please don't take, don't leave today and not do that. Don't, don't you leave today and, and let me find out from somebody else. So, Pastor, you said Sunday that I don't need to call you because, you know, you're burned down. I don't want to put no other burden. Don't you do that. That's not, what, that's not my point. I'm trying to bring us together here. This is what every one of us goes through those moments. And it changes the day. And I have to understand what Brother Jim said. I have to get back in my prayer closet sometimes, Brother Earl, and understand it's the power of the Holy Spirit that keeps us moving forward. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that motivates me to do what I do. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that I take your family that's fragmented and puts them back together. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that will take a loved one that you've been pleading over and praying for and you've got a burden for just to love on them. Just to love them. I know they're not doing what you want them to do. I know that they're making decisions probably you don't want them to make, but you just got to love on them. You got to love them. It's the love of God that will bring them home. I understand that they're out there doing some stuff that you don't agree with. I get it. I'm so thankful, and I, I don't mean to prolong this morning, but I'm so thankful that my children are in church today. I'm so thankful that I don't have to. I didn't wake up this morning and understand that my son was in a jailhouse somewhere. He's strung out on drugs, but he's on the stage singing the songs of Zion and Jonesboro today. I've got a daughter that's teaching your children, some of your children in children's church this morning. I'm thankful that, Brother David, I didn't have to wake up and Understand that my kids was not where they need to be. But some of you can't say that today. You're sitting here and you understand I've got kids, Pastor, that I want so bad to be saved. I've got sons and I've got daughters. Don't you give up on them. Don't you give up on them. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit they'll bring them home. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that'll give you the love that you need to love them back into the right it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to gift you enough to say the right thing without harming who they are and to love them into a relationship with the Lord. With all heads bowed and eyes closed real quick, I want to ask you this morning, if you be honest, you say, Pastor, I need the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life. Will you just lift up your hand? I want His gift. Thank you. I want the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you. If you're here this morning, say, I need, his, I need His promise. I need His assurance today in the balcony, on this main floor, whoever you may be. Be honest with you and God. I need the gift of the Holy Ghost today, Pastor. I can't make it on my own. I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I've failed miserably. I've got to have the assurance of the Holy Spirit today. 
Thank you, Lord.